Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The congregation may be seated. And grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, back in January of this year, we had a, a special service, just one, if you'll remember, to dedicate our new faith center. And on that special day, we invited our bishop to come here and preside alongside me in worship. Our, if you don't know, a Lutheran bishop is kind of like a local pope, but without the hat, you know. So he's important. He's in charge of me, uh, and he's kind of in charge of the other churches in this area. And so anyway, he shows up on Sunday, and he and I are standing in the back. And the bishop is standing inside the sanctuary doors, and I'm kind of standing in front of the sanctuary doors. I can see him, he can see me, but anyone coming in can only see me. So, Carl Buch. <laughs> comes walking in the door and he sees me again he does not see the bishop but of course the bishop is close enough to me that he can hear anything anyone is saying to me <laughs> so Carl says Candace who's preaching today and I said I am Carl and he said oh thank God I thought it was gonna be the bishop <laughs> and at that moment the bishop's like you mean this bishop I am so glad that nothing like that happened these last four weeks with Pastor Weirs, right? Carl was on good behavior. I, listen, I wasn't going to tell him that you were saying that week after week. Anyway, Pastor Weirs is a great preacher. We all loved him. We enjoyed his sermon series. But I am glad to be back up here talking to you. I'm especially glad to be back on All Saints Day because it gives me the chance to talk about my favorite, one of my favorite things about sanctuaries. I know if you have been here for any length of time, you have heard me say this before, but the shape of this sanctuary is intentional, along with a lot of sanctuaries. The shape is intentional. You'll notice that it is kind of a half circle, or in this case, I think it's, a, it's squared off because of the, um, the dais, but it's a half circle. And that's supposed to kind of convey to you that this table is also half of a table. If anybody grew up in a traditional Catholic church, they might have noticed that the altar was mounted on the wall, right? And that's to convey to you that only half of the altar is here, only half of the church is here. The other half extends into time and space where our saints are. And every Sunday when we come to this table, we are only coming to half of it. And our saints in eternal life are coming to the other half. And that is something, like I said, I've told you before. But I promise you I will tell you again and again and again because we are forgetful people. I want us to always remember that 
We are only part of what's happening here. Part of what's going on. And because we are forgetful, we have to do these things year after year. We are especially, I think, forgetful when it comes to abstract things. Because that's this whole concept of half of a church is an abstract one. And we are, by default, concrete thinkers. We're programmed to think in concrete terms. Even when we're adults, we're programmed to think in concrete terms. Seeing only what's in front of us. And I think that's especially true for death. It's what makes it so terrifying. It's what makes it so heartbreaking. Because to our eyes, it is final. It is so final. It is our default setting, I think, to be concrete thinkers. This was never made so clear to me than when my daughter, Abby, experienced death for the first time. She was five years old, and her great-grandma, Joe had died, and she loved Grandma Joe. So we spent that whole week kind of trying to prepare Abby for what she was going to see at the wake. We talked about how Grandma Joe had died and how she was in heaven and how we were going to go and see her, but that she was gone. And so the day of the wake gets there, we go in, we walk up to the open casket, and we hold Abby up so that she can say goodbye to Grandma Joe. And to my surprise, she was not sad. She was angry. And she said, you lied to me. Grandma Joe's just sleeping. She's not dead. And I said, no, no, honey, she, she is dead. And she goes, well, then where is her skeleton? Right? That is death to a black and white thinker, to a concrete thinker. That's how we see it when we're looking through all two human lenses. It's not flesh and blood, it's not sleeping. It's bones in the ground, it's final. And that's nothing new. It's the nature of doubt. That's the struggle of being human with limited vision of what God can do with God's entire created order. And that's what's happening with the Sadducees in our gospel reading today. You'll notice that they are people who do not believe in eternal life. They doubt. They doubt. They're displaying that all-too-human feeling that God can only do with us what we can see in this world. They cannot see heaven or conceive an eternal life that makes sense to them. So they, so they start asking Jesus about the logistics. And they set up this, this elaborate scenario, which I'm sure has happened. I'm sure in the history of things, a woman has married seven husbands before. But they, they might as well be asking how God is going to collect taxes in heaven. That's, that's the mode they're thinking. As if God is bound in the eternal life that he has created to follow our civil laws and mores the ones we create. And maybe that doesn't seem so dangerous to not believe in eternal life. There is no condemnation for the Sadducees in this text. Jesus does not condemn them. He just corrects their thinking. He tells them a story to help them understand this very abstract thing. But I do wonder how our own doubt can make use of that kind of concrete, limited sight thinking we get ourselves into sometimes. I mean, if our doubt 
can convince us that death is final, that there is nothing beyond what we can see and explain here, that this half circle and this half table is just that, just halves with no hole, nothing on the other side, then how much more can it push back against our faith? How much more can death creep and progress onto our faith? Or doubt, rather. Doubt has a way of continuing to push forward on us. And robbing you of your hope in eternal life makes the next step of not believing in a God who becomes flesh in Jesus, an even more abstract concept, that much easier. I can't see eternal life, so there is none. I can't see my Redeemer, so he does not live. I cannot see the God I'm praying to, so maybe what's the point? And honestly, we live in a world that takes advantage, a world that is custom-made to play on that doubt-filled black-and-white thinking, a world that says, you know what, you are right. There is nothing beyond what you can see here. So just consume as much as you can while you're here. And we know how a world that promises worth through consumption and power and self service plays out every single day. I mean, is there anyone among us here who is really feeling positive about our culture at this moment? But we who remember all saints know better, or at least we're trying to remember that we know better. We know that there, that there, there is more to what we see, that this isn't all there is, and we know that God is not limited by what we conceive of in the world. And we speak these names every year to remind ourselves that our lives and the lives of our saint are not accidental. To remind ourselves that our worth and our hope and our promise is not determined by this tiny arc of time that we're each allotted. Our hope rests in eternal life. And not not only that, Not only do we have this hope in eternal life, but we have a hope in a Lord who can push aside that veil between heaven and earth, that veil that clouds our vision, that kind of keeps us in this concrete way of thinking, pushes past all that and enters into our lives here and now. We trust in a Lord who can show up at this table and a Lord who can push through from heaven and join us in our lives now. Now what does that look like? What does that look like for a Lord to push aside the veil separating heaven and earth, to enter into our lives right now, to bring us a hope that our saints are there, that our saints are with us, and that our God is with us in these moments? Well, a couple of months ago, I met a a parishioner for coffee. I'll call her Ruth for us. And Ruth and I were talking about faith and hard times and about where God is in this messy, broken life. And I think in that moment I said something like, I know I'm a pastor, but I I don't always know where God is. And Ruth said, I do. I know God is with me. And she told me she's known that God is with her since she was a young woman in college many decades ago. And she 
She told me about how she had been through some traumatic events at college, and she was feeling alone and desperate and hopeless. And she said, for whatever reason that night, I walked to the apartment, or I walked to the roof of my apartment building. And I sat on the edge of the roof, and my legs are dangling over the side. And I sat there watching the snow fall and praying and praying that God would take away this absolutely helpless feeling that I was experiencing. That feeling that had driven me up there. And she said, I looked down in that moment as I was praying. I opened my eyes and I saw on the sidewalk this couple walk up. And they stopped at the car that was right below me. And they got on either side of it, and they drew on the roof a heart in the snow. And I knew, I knew then that God was with me and would not let me go. Brothers and sisters, that is Jesus. That is the Jesus of eternal life who pushes aside the veil that separates heaven and earth to bring a bit of that eternal hope into our here and now. A little bit of that full healing that our saints of light are experiencing in this very moment, he brings to us every day. And maybe there are folks out there, modern day Sadducees, who would look at Ruth's story. And honestly, on that day, I was probably one of them who said, you know what, Ruth? You probably saw, saw that snow heart because you needed to see that snow heart, not because God was in it. But on my best days, when my saints are at my back, I believe Ruth. I believe her experience was of God and of her saints pushing through to bring her hope in that moment. And on the days when I struggle to feel God's presence, to trust that there is something more possible than the mess we're in, I hang on to Ruth's story and to the witness of our saints. And I am determined in those good moments to not let this world tell me what's possible, but to hold on to what Jesus tells us is possible. It is possible that our saints of light are on the other side of this table. It is possible that there is light in the face of darkness. It is possible that there is hope in the face of despair. It is possible that there is redemption in the place of shame. And it is possible that there is life in the face of death. And we gather to give thanks for those possibilities in Christ. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching.
there is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be. Thank you.